This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Presents the Corporation. Oh, that's the sound I like to hear the sound of the employees of the corporation hard at work. No conversation, everybody bending to his task. Uh, I'm the assistant to the general office manager of the corporation, and among my many other duties, I'm responsible for personnel relations. I'm glad to say that in the corporation uh, to which I've given my life, personal relations does not mean seeing that the employees are happy with the corporation. No. We have no such sentimental modern ideas here at the corporation. With us, personnel relations means seeing that the corporation itself is happy with its employees. And the corporation is happiest with its employees when the employees make a happy sound. One can imagine then how very distressed I was on the morning when the happy sound of employees doing the work they were paid for was shattered by a sound not at all happy. Stop it! Stop this! Stop it, I say! You will all go back to your work. Quiet! Quiet, everybody. That sound comes from Miss Frisbee's office, and what happens in Miss Frisbee's office does not concern any of you. I'll see what's happening in there. But you will all go back to your work. And now... Miss Frisbee. Perhaps you can explain yourself. Oh, Mr. Dinwiddie, look. Look at this. Look at what? This letter. Letter? This isn't a letter, it's a memo. It's on large size memo sheet, and I must Read say, it. I must say that whoever wrote this short message should have used the small size memo paper. Mr. Dinwiddie, will you read what it says? Mm. To Mary Frisbee, from X... Resign from this corporation or something very bad will happen to you. <gasps> Miss Frisbee, you tell whoever wrote this memo never to do such a thing again. Mr. Dinwiddie, how do I know who wrote it? It's addressed to you. But it comes from somebody named X. How do I know who X is? X is whoever is a friend of yours who... Friend? Whoever is a friend of yours who plays practical jokes. Mr. Dinwiddie, I don't think this is a practical joke. Well, there you have it. That attitude is exactly why this must never be repeated. You're a valued, efficient employee. You have been here, why, uh, let me see, almost 15 years, isn't it? But uh, this sort of thing impairs your efficiency. 
That is why it must never be repeated. But, Mr. Dinwiddie... Not one more word. But, Mr. Dinwiddie, this isn't a joke. Nonsense. Of course it is. It has to be a joke. A joke, I may say, in very bad taste, Miss Frisbee. Now get back to work. I flatter myself that I handled the situation at that point with the firmness proper to an executive speaking to a subordinate in danger of becoming hysterical. That is the way my chief handled me, and I admired him for it. Uh, oh, and speaking of my chief, the general manager of the corporation, I had the problem of whether to speak to him of, of Miss Frisbee when I made my weekly report to him. Uh, I handled that properly, too, I think. All right, Dinwiddie. Is there anything else? Uh, just one thing, Chief. It's about Miss Frisbee. Good woman. But we can't give her a raise at this time, if uh, that's what you're talking about. Oh, no, no, no. Of course not, Chief. Uh, it's just that uh, uh, she became a, a shade hysterical the other day. Uh, she screamed. What? Yes, sir. In the office and in business hours. But I'm quite sure she's straightened out now. You talked to her? I did indeed, firmly. Fine. What'd she scream for? Somebody played a practical joke on her. Well, we can't have that. I told her so, in no uncertain terms. Good. Did you tell the practical joker so too? Uh, no, she uh, pretended not to know who it was. Doubtless some friend she wanted to protect. Uh, but I'm sure he'll get the message from her. All right. It's your responsibility, Dinwiddie. Handle it. Gladly, sir. And I think I have handled it already. Good. It did no good to Miss Frisbee, of course, that there was now this blot on her record, but uh, uh, she'd been for so many years such a fine employee that one lapse like this would not be too serious. Uh, those who think the corporation has no heart should bear that in mind. I cannot emphasize too clearly this fact. Miss Frisbee would have had no trouble if nothing further of a like nature had happened. But two weeks after she disrupted the office with her screams, she came to my door. Mr. Dinwiddie? Oh, yes, Miss Frisbee, what is it? It's happened again. Uh, what has happened again, Miss Frisbee? Uh, be precise. It's happened five times, Mr. Dinwiddie. The anonymous letters. Memos? Memos, then. Five times, Mr. Dinwiddie. Look at this. Resign, Miss Frisbee, or I'll take pleasure in inflicting, searing, torturing pain. Mr. Dinwiddie, I am frightened half out of my wits. Control yourself, Miss Frisbee. And look at this one. Just three words. Resign or die. Resign, it says. Well, I'm a good employee. Uh, you were a good employee up until the time when, uh, uh when... When what? Mr. Dinwiddie. Uh, nothing, nothing. Never mind. Oh, but I do mind. Does the corporation propose to protect me? Now you are hysterical. Or help me, even? Certainly not. All right, Mr. Dinwiddie. But I warn you, I am going to do what the corporation should have done. What do you mean? I am going to the police. Uh, Miss Frisbee. Goodbye, Mr. Dinwiddie. No, no, no. Come back. Close that door. Well? well you, you can't go to the police. Why not? This corporation depends on good relations with the public. 
What kind of an image do you suppose the corporation would acquire if it got about that... That it has no interest in the fact that some maniac is writing threatening letters to one of its employees? Really, Miss Frisbee, this isn't my fault, and it certainly isn't the corporation's fault that you're... you're... That I'm what? <laughs> that you're the kind of person that gets anonymous letters. Oh. Really? Well, well, that settles it. I am going to the police uh, now. No, 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 please, please. I, I'm sorry I said that. Uh, look, uh, Miss Frisbee, I, I'll tell you what. I'll go to the police with you, uh, but we'll be uh, discreet. How is that, Miss Frisbee? was the only thing I could think of to keep her from running to the nearest station house and blurting out heaven knows what wild stories. Uh, when she agreed to let me go with her, I was able to tell her that I could arrange for special treatment, and uh, uh, that was true. Uh, one of the officers of the corporation was distantly connected with the commissioner of police, and through him, uh, but without revealing anything at all about the nature of my errand, I was able to get an appointment with a police lieutenant who, uh, I was told, would bear in mind the corporation's desire not to have bad publicity. Miss Frisbee and I went to see him. Uh, oh, uh, on our own time, of course, uh, after work the next night, uh, we told him our story and showed him the memos. Well, just what do you want from me? Advice, really, uh, and uh, uh, discretion, Lieutenant, above all. Discretion. A full-scale investigation, that's what I want. Well, now, ma'am, I don't think we can quite manage that. Why not? Well, these memos, did, uh, did they come in the mail? No, they were left on my desk. Well, now, that's too bad they weren't mailed. Uh, using the mails would make it a much more serious offense. You mean to say this isn't serious enough? Well, of course it's serious to you, ma'am, but... At this juncture, rather vague. You see, Miss Bruce? No, I don't see. I have been threatened with death. Well, that's true. And believe me, I, I'd like to investigate it, but I can hardly do that officially. Uh, not until there's some more definite complaint. Not until X kills me? Oh, now, now, Miss Frisbee. She's overwrought, Lieutenant. The fact is, Miss Frisbee, there's nothing to fear. Oh, oh, I, I disagree, Mr. Dinwiddie. Uh, there's something to fear, all right, and uh, I, I'd like to help. I, well, I, I could investigate uh, unofficially. Oh, they, they, there's no need of that, Lieutenant. All right, then. I, uh, I have some advice, which might be helpful. What is that? Well, I think the corporation ought to hire a private detective. Oh. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll think it over, Lieutenant, and uh, thank you very much. Come along, Miss Frisbee. I knew that Miss Frisbee would pick up the Lieutenant's suggestion and make a nuisance of herself with it, so when she suggested that we go back to the office and talk it over, I said yes. After all, we wouldn't be stealing time during business hours for such a conversation, so back we went. Well, Mr. Dinwiddie, evidently you did not listen to the lieutenant. The corporation should get a private detective, he said. Apparently, you didn't listen to the part who didn't want to hear, Miss Frisbee. He distinctly indicated that this foolishness is not a criminal matter. Now, the corporation clearly has no obligation... <gasps> 
What is it? Oh, <laughs> it's nothing. It's no crime. It's just another letter. It doesn't even say anything new. It says resign or die, see? Same as the last one. Mr. Dinwiddie, the corporation has to put a stop to this. Stop that, Miss Frisbee. Stop lying. Stop it. Stop. You, you slapped me. I did indeed. The only means of coping with your hysteria. You've become a great nuisance, Miss Frisbee. Your efficiency is down. Oh, it must be down 20% at least. And all for what? Either on account of a practical joke or letters that you write to yourself. What? How does the corporation know you don't write these notes yourself? Such things have happened, you know. Give me a lie detector test. It costs money. And the corporation doesn't have money to spend on frills, Miss Frisbee. But you have accused me. I've raised a possibility, a possibility that's reinforced by your having suggested that we come back here tonight, your having suggested that we come into your office, and then by your having found another letter to scream about. I don't write these things myself. The corporation, Miss Frisbee, couldn't care less. No crime is being committed. Whatever action is taken, you'll have to take yourself. Good evening, Miss Frisbee. understand, of course, that except for the time when I brought up Miss Frisbee's troubles in the meeting with my chief, I'd talked to nobody about them. And I believed her when she said that she had talked to no one but me. So whatever was done or not done was my responsibility. For this reason, and because I felt it would be sensible to get my position on the record, I spoke to my chief about Miss Frisbee once again. Miss Frisbee, good woman. What about her? You remember, sir, I told you something about her uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, yes, something about a practical joke. Uh, that's correct, sir. Well, the practical jokes have gone on. I told you to handle it, Dinwiddie. Uh, yes, sir, and I am handling it. I want you to know that. All right, I know it. I don't see why you bother me with this at all. I'm not bothering you with the details, sir. Well... I should hope not. It's just that in view of the fact that Miss Frisbee is creating a good deal of commotion about this matter, oh, not to anybody else but to me, sir, I wanted to be sure that the line I was taking with her squared with corporation policy. Well, what line are you taking with her? A hard line, sir. Hard? Yes, sir. Tough? Yes, sir. Uncompromising? Exactly, sir. That's the line to take. Thank you, sir. Don't let him cause trouble. That's the corporation policy. Yes, sir. Carry on, Dinwiddie. So that was that. I was behaving in the right way according to corporation policy. I had known that myself, of course, without asking anyone. But uh, more important, my superior knew that I was acting properly in this matter. Uh, regardless of what happened, I was blameless. And it was on the record now. 
I waited for the next time that Miss Frisbee would come to me. It was two days later. Mr. Dinwiddie. Miss Frisbee, you came in here without knocking. I'll knock when I go out. I take it you've had another of those memos? Not a memo this time. For heaven's sake, can't you see what I've got in my hand? Well, it's, uh, that's some sort of whip. Some sort of whip? It's a horse whip. A horse whip, Mr. Dinwiddie. I went to the ladies' room, and when I came back to my office, there was this horse whip lying across my desk. But, uh, j just what do you want me to do about this? Mr. Dinwiddie, are you a little psycho? Did you leave this whip on my desk? Certainly not. All right. Then you find out who did. It was the middle of the morning. I was in the ladies' room. Somebody must have seen who went into my office. If the whip was not already on your desk when you left your office. Oh, you're accusing me again. Well, Mr. Dinwiddie, I don't care. You may notice I am not crying. That's because I'm so scared I'm past crying. And I'm going to lunch. After lunch, I'm coming in here, and I want satisfaction this time, do you hear? Or else I'll... I'll... Yes, you'll what? Never mind. I'll be in here after lunch. If she thought that I would spend the lunch hour trying to find out something that was probably undiscoverable anyway, she was very wrong. I simply waited for her to come back. And when she did... Mr. Dinwiddie! Well? You didn't so much as ask a question out there this time, did you? How do you know that? Because I've asked all the girls. They say you never left your office. Hmm, I suppose you now propose to accuse me once again. No, because if you didn't leave your office, then you couldn't have put this on my desk. What? This gun. Oh, don't point at it. Don't me. be so nervous here. You can have the gun. And this note. Uh, resign or perish. Well, Miss Frisbee? Well, what? What's your decision? I can't stand this anymore, Mr. Dinwiddie. It's taken more courage than I thought I had to come in here every day. I keep expecting something to hit me in the back. And the corporation won't do anything. Why should it? All right, then. All right. I resign. Under the circumstances, I think that's best, Miss Frisbee. You! Others would have learned about this. It was already taking too much of your time and mine away from our Oh, job. shut up! I resign. You're rid of the nuisance. Isn't that enough? When will you be leaving us, Miss Frisbee? Right now. It's probably best. I've been here 15 years. Yes? What about severance pay? Miss Frisbee, severance pay is given when the corporation fires an employee. You are not fired. You're resigning. You were. I'm sorry, Miss Frisbee. Those are the rules. I watched her while she packed her things in her office. Uh, that is standard procedure in such cases. Especially when the employee seems to have, uh, well, some sort of grudge against the corporation. It's necessary to see that she does not take any corporation property with her. It took Miss Frisbee quite a long time to pack up. I saw her through the elevator. She never spoke a word to me. 
Then I went back to my own office. There on my desk, on my desk, good heavens. Uh, Well, Dinwiddie, what is it? Uh, sir, I found this on my desk, on memo paper. It says, you're next. Resign or die. Well, Dinwiddie? Well, what, sir? Well, what's your decision? After all, this is none of the corporation's business, you know. Five has presented The Corporation, written by Robert Senadella, produced and directed by Warren Somerville. In the cast, John McGovern, Mary Jane Higby, Guy Sorrell, and James Monks. Audio engineer, Neil Pulse. Sound technician, Ed Blaney. Script editor, Jack C. Wilson. Original music by Alexander Vlastatsenko. Orchestra under the direction of Glenn Osser. Executive producer for Theater 5, Ted Bell. We invite your comments. Write to Theater 5, New York 23, New York. That's Theater 5, New York 23, New York. This is Fred Foy speaking. This has been an ABC Radio Network production. suspense, tonight we present Menace in Wax by John Dixon Carr. During the French Revolution of 1793, a Swiss girl copied in wax the severed heads of those who had just been guillotined. She married a Frenchman named Tussaud, and came to London, and she founded Madame Tussaud's Waxworks. There it is, still in Marylebone Road, near Baker Street Station. Not the original building. That was destroyed by fire. But it remained untouched when a darker shadow than revolution came to England. 
They plastered high explosives all along that road and hit the cinema next door. We are going to London under the bomber's moon. Late one night in March of 1941, a young man hurried up to the great glass doors of Madame Tussauds. Hey, open up here. Isn't there a night watchman around this place? There is, Governor, and I'm him. Now, what do you want at this hour of the night? My name is Rogers. I'm from the Daily Record. Oh. If you let me get inside, I'll show you my press card. Didn't you get any orders about me? Well, maybe I have at that. Oh, you're the bloke who wants to see the Chamber of Horrors. That's right. <laughs> All right, you may as well come in. My paper got a tip. There's something funny going on around here. Something funny going on here? That's a good one. The rain's not very heavy tonight, is it? No, they're going over. You ain't heard where, Governor? We got a teletype flash. There was a Midlands. Lord Lummy, and I've got a sister in Birmingham. Oh, why can't she come and stop in a nice, safe place like London? There's the Regent Park guns opening up again. My teeth rattle and shakes the hats off the dummies' heads. You know, this chamber of ours is getting to be popular tonight. You mean there's been somebody here before me? Yes. A woman? That's right, Governor. About five feet two inches tall, very pretty. If you like them, brunette and big-eyed and a phony French accent. No, Governor, no. This was only an old lady that lost her handbag. Oh, thank the Lord for that anyway. Now then, what is going on around here? Well, I don't know, Governor. You'll have to ask Pearson about that. Who's Pearson? Oh, he's the bloke that's the watchman down there. He's old and he imagined things. He phoned your piper. <laughs> have you got an electric torch? Yes. Then go straight on through the marble hall and down the stairs on your left. And don't speak to the policeman, because he's wax. <laughs> yes, that's the way, Governor. That's the way to the Chamber of Horrors. Thank you. Pearson. Hello, Pearson. Pearson. Yes, sir. Huh? You're looking for me. Oh, uh... I didn't see you there. I must have thought you were one of these wax dummies. Uh, ugly dim light, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Rogers is my name. I'm from the Daily Record. Oh, yes. I'm glad you came over. I phoned your paper myself. Maybe I'm just imagining things, but... Uh... Well, I don't blame you. This place would make anybody nervous, especially during an air raid. Uh, well, sir, it's all right as long as you don't get to imagine they're watching you. Oh, and do you? Oh, yes. Sometimes. That's the gambling group in the center there. Uh-huh. What's that thing over there? That's the famous guillotine. Oh, wait a minute, old boy. You're not trying to tell me that's the original guillotine. No, uh, that was burnt in the fire. Madame Toussaint bought it from Sanson, the executioner. Let me tell you something, Mr. Rogers. What? Years ago... This is straight. A young French woman came in here. There was nobody else in the place. She thought it would be great fun to say she'd put her neck in the same guillotine as Marie Antoinette. So she climbed up on that platform. She snapped the little wooden collar down round her neck, shutting herself in. 
All of a sudden, she realized she didn't know which spring controlled the collar and which spring controlled the knife. Oh, good Lord, she didn't. No. But they say she went crazy. They say she screamed and screamed. What's that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you, but... Sweet mama, I'm so scared myself, I cannot help it. Susie. Oh, no, 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 not Susie. Susie, you make it so it rhymes with floozy. That is not nice. Why, you little devil. I ought to turn you across my knee. What are you doing here? And will you forget that French accent? You're driving me crazy. Uh, you know this young lady, sir. Do I? She works for my paper. She's haunting me. Oh, Bert, that's not nice. I like the way I talk. I only try to give you ideas. That's just what I mean. Now, take your arms from around my neck. Uh, she's French, sir. Her mother came from New York, like I did. She's got some funny ideas, accents, and disguises. So, I dress up as an old lady, and I come along, too. That is clever, no? Definitely no. But I go into what I think is the lady's room, and there is Jack the Ripper. I'm so scared, I almost kick the ghost. Whatever else you do, miss, for the love of heaven, put out that cigarette. It is not permitted? It is what they are most afraid of in this place. Fire. If you vouch for this young lady, Mr. Rogers... I don't vouch for anybody. But go on now. What's all the mystery here at Madame Tussauds? You see the group over there? It's called the Gamblers. That three men and a woman in 18th century costume sitting around a table playing cards? Yes. And about once a week, when the lights are out... Yes? Those dummies do play cards... Is this a publicity trick of some kind? Oh, no, sir. Then what's the game? I'm not crazy. I know they don't actually do it, sir. What I want to know is who changes the cards round in their hands and why? Well, could anybody, anybody from the outside, I mean, get in to change the cards? Oh, yes. Uh, there's a back door. But why would anyone want to break in here just to change those cards around? Mon cher Ben, écoutez, listen. I have made a discovery. Listen, if you're going to talk, speak English. Or better yet, just keep still. But I have made a discovery. This card game... What about it? It is crooked. Here is a man which has two deuces of hearts in the same hand. Listen, Susie, I don't give a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's have a look at those cards. I give you ideas, yes? Susie, for once you're right. And look here. Two of these players have all the clubs and hearts. The other two have all the diamonds and spades. Susie, how many letters in the alphabet? Twenty-six, no? And twice twenty-six is... Fifty-two. The number of cards in a pack. Give me a pencil, Susie, quick. The War Office, Whitehall. MI5, Headquarters of Military Intelligence. There next morning in the map room, used as an office by Colonel Warrender. Mr. Rogers, I'm a busy man. I, I... appreciate that, Colonel Warrender. Well, anyhow, sit down. Thank you, sir. Now, what's all this? These cards you claim form a code, is that it? Yes, sir. Now, look, sir. Let each letter of the alphabet represent a card in clubs and hearts. That's 26. And then? And then when you get to the middle of the message, switch the alphabet over to diamonds and spades. Then you won't keep on repeating. Now, will you read what I've got written on this piece of paper? Jack of diamonds, Q. Three of clubs, F. Well, that doesn't seem to mean much. Oh, never mind the cards, Colonel. Just read the letters. Q, 
Q-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y. Yes, sir. Q-Factory. Go on. Uh, oh, just a moment. What is that infernal noise? Johnson Burroughs! Uh, don't bother oh. with that, sir. Just read the message, please. Oh. Q-Factory. 10 p.m., 15th. Today's the 15th of March, Colonel. Uh, all preparations made. Use dive bombers. I see... Uh, this message was left openly. So openly that nobody ever noticed it. Yes, the trick's been tried before. No contacts, no gatherings, no letters that might be intercepted. A whole spy ring could walk through that wax museum and read the message without being seen. You newspaper men trying to teach me my job? Oh, I'm sorry, sir, I only... No, no, go on. Well, don't you see? Three or four little boats with portable wireless sets go down the Thames estuary. When they're beyond pursuit, they send that message by radio. Somebody listens. And it's no secret in Fleet Street, sir, that... Q factory is out in the wilds of Glebeshire. Uh, it's no secret anywhere. And that we're making the Shaftesbury bomber out there. So tonight, unless we do something about it, they're coming over and bomb Q factory to blazes. That's uh, impossible. Why? Or can't you tell me? I can tell you this much. Yes, sir. Q factory is so well hidden that even our own pilots can't find it from the air. That's one objection to this message. Any other objection? Yes, this talk about dive bombers. Dive bombers in a night attack... What's the good of a dive bomber if he can't see its objective? Well, suppose somebody showed a light. He'd be shot dead as soon as he showed it. Every inch of country for a quarter of a mile round the factory. A quarter of a mile, Mr. Rogers, is patrolled day and night. Well, just the same. They're going to have a try at it, sir. How? I don't know how. Then if you'll excuse me, Mr. Rogers... Well, listen, I... Colonel Warner. Will you give me a pass to go down there to the factory? Certainly not. No one's permitted to go there except the workers. How is the place defended? There's a night fighter station nearby, and several batteries of four 3.7 guns. Then give me a pass to the fighter station or to the gun post. That's a legitimate newspaper request. Well, I, I might manage a pass to one of the gun posts, yes. Then you'll do it. Well, what on earth is that infernal row? Sounds like somebody locked up in a coat cupboard. Yes, as a matter of fact, Colonel, it is somebody locked up in a coat cupboard. A young lady, so-called. A young lady? Who locked her up? I did. And just what the devil do you mean, sir, locking up people in coat cupboards in the war office? Well, she's a bit excitable, Colonel. I thought that uh, she'd better not see you. Oh, thanks for the consideration. Uh, there's just one other favor I'd like to ask. As well? If she asks you for a pass, don't give it to her. Don't give it to her under any circumstances. Well, what's her name? Susie Dubois. <laughs> You're rather too late for that, young man. The public relations office granted her a pass two hours ago. What? Oh... A woman to an anti-aircraft battery? Uh, this is what we call a mixed battery. Women on the guns as well as men. She said it would make a good human interest story for the press. I, mm. I must say, I agree with her. Uh, well, one moment, Mr. Rogers, before you go. Yes, sir. That gun post is fully two miles from the factory. You can go there, but if you take one step further, you'll be shot on sight by our guards. I warn you. I'll be careful, Colonel. I'll be careful. Somewhere in the west country, a yellow moon shines over bare trees. A white mist moving clings to the ground. Susie, are you sure we're on the right road? Ah, uh, mon cher, they have taken away all the signposts in case there is an invasion. I know that. But I follow the map. The map cannot be wrong. We've been driving for hours. Must be... Yes, it is. Nearly half past nine. 
Half an hour to go. Trees, trees, and still more trees. Look. There's a break in the trees ahead. It will be open country in a minute. Yeah. That's funny. Look how deep the leaves are here on the road. But one thing I tell you, just between you and me and the bedposts, Gatepost, Susie. The term is between you and me and the gatepost. And speak English. I am speaking English very well, thank you. I do not need your help to be pure. All right, all right. Now, this map. Well, what about it? It say we should go through a lot of villages. Mitford, Archardine, and Saffron Weville. I have not seen any villages. Did you say Mitford? Oui, monsieur. Susie, let me have a look at that map. Come on, come on, hand it over. But what is wrong? It is a perfectly good map. Yes, Susie. It's a fine map. It's an excellent map. Only it's a map of the wrong county. I have made a mistake? No? I don't even believe you can read. This is a map of Barsetshire. We should be somewhere in Glebeshire. Now, where in the devil are we? We're at the entrance to some kind of clearing with leaves oh. on it. Oh! What was that? Somebody calling us. If we're in Forbidden Area... I see him now. Where? Behind us. He came out of a white cottage back there. He's a big, heavy man with a mustache. Never mind the mustache. He's wearing some kind of a uniform and he's got a rifle. You think he plugged us? No? I think it is not unlikely. Get out those war office passes of ours. Quick. Good evening, my friends. Uh, good evening. Can you tell me... No, we don't mean any harm. Uh, 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 Can you tell me what time it is? Oh, what time it is? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, 28 and a half minutes past nine. Thank you. I will keep you covered while I set my watch. Yeah. My next question is, would you like me to shoot you both? No. Listen, Mr., uh, Mr. McAllister. Captain. Captain McAllister. That's that right. right. Captain, uh, this girl, uh, she's been reading the wrong map. You see, we don't even know where we are. You're in Hollywood Forest, my friend. Hollywood Forest? Is that good or bad? And you don't know what's just beyond the edge of this clearing? No. There's a big open space of a quarter of a mile. In the middle of that open space... Q Factory. We're right on top of it. Then you have heard of Q Factory, my friend. Captain McAllister, we're from the war office, and we've got passes to prove it. Let's see the passes. We were trying to find gun sight number... Uh, I've forgotten the number, but it's here on that card. You've passed the gun sight. Two miles back up the road. All right. Here are your passes. What are you going to do to us? Uh, I'm not in the regular army. You can thank your stars I'm not. I'm forestry preservation. Oh. You are not going to chuck us in the cooler, even? <laughs> no. Turn that car on, get back along this road as fast as you can. If they fire at you, as they probably will... Oh, I wish I am home. Pray no, Mao, I wish I am home. Well, then hope for the best. My watch had stopped and you did me a good turn. Well, hurry along. Hurry. Sight of heavy ACAC battery. Four 3.7 guns against a moon growing clear white. White as the concrete emplacements. 
Sealed against light were the crews, men and women, sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, sir, uh, glad to have you both here. But this idea of yours about dive bombers attacking a blacked-out factory in the uh, middle of a forest is uh, rather fantastic, don't you think? Well, I admit it doesn't make much sense, Captain Bronson, but I have a hunch that I'm right. Well, glad you and Miss Susie drove out. Don't see many strangers. Frightfully boring. Nice country, of course. Good air and everything, but dull. Dull as ditchwater. What's that? Only some of the lads and lasses inside. Like to uh, walk along the emplacement here? Oh, is that allowed? Oh, certainly, old boy. Why not? Bright moon tonight, isn't it? Yes, bomber's moon. We, uh, we nearly get shot on our way here. Quiet, Susan. We're not supposed to have been there. If I nearly get shot, I am going to say I nearly get shot. It was a man which is called, uh, uh McAllister. Oh, old Mac. Uh, very decent sort, Mac. He's a, a tree doctor. A what? Tree doctor. Got to have wood, you know. But trees start to die. Mac goes round the edge of the clearing and smears them with stuff to keep them well. Uh, how did you come to meet him? Well, the fact is, uh, we nearly got as far as the factory tonight. Oh, then you were lucky to get back alive. There weren't any barrage balloons over the factory, I noticed. Uh, hardly, old boy. They wouldn't advertise, would they? With balloons in open country? And if the Germans did use dive bombers? Oh, they're not coming, old boy. Just make up your mind to that. I wonder if you'll say so at 10 o'clock. But it is 10 o'clock. It's, uh... Well, it's just 10 now. Well, it can't be. We drove here like blazes. It was only half past nine then. Well, then your watch must be very slow, old boy. No, I'm afraid you're wrong. I've never seen it quieter. Cold tonight. Very dry for March. Look all around you. Moonlight. Open country. Not a sign of life in it. Quiet. Peaceful. And silent as the great... What was that? Why, George, I think we've got some visitors. I think we're going to see some fun. Enemy planes approaching south-southwest. Action stations. Enemy planes approaching south-southwest. Now, do you believe me? Better stand back, old boy. Operation crew's coming on. I said, now do you believe me? I want you to watch these girls work. They do everything, you know, except actually fire the guns. Now, 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 keep your hair on, old boy. Susie, he still can't see it. Oh, they'll only be going over... You think so? Oh, yes. We sometimes get a crack at them when they're making for Bristol. Standing by for action! Standing by! Listen. I have heard that noise a thousand times. But every time I hear it, I get sick. Hmm. Well, they're flying ruddy low, you know. Just what I was thinking. Spotter! Spotter! Any identification? Junker, 88. Dive bombers. Height, 5,200. Now, look here, you two newspaper people. Yes, sir? There might be things popping, you know, can't tell. I'd like to get below. Oh, no, thanks. I don't like this, Bert, but I'll stay, too. Range finder. Range finder. On target. Look here, you two. Those war office passes you gave me, uh, I'm not supposed to keep them. Now, I'd better give them back, just in case. Predictor! Predictor, on target. Here we go, ladies and gents. Fire! Stand by! Predictor, on target. Fire! 
this message, sir? Ah. Yes, Corporal. Open fire. Knife fighters taking off. Who fire? Knife fighters taking off. Hold fire. Message understood. What is the matter with them? With who? Those marsh planes. They're still a good way off, but they don't come any closer. Hmm. Must be going over after all. They're circling. I think they're waiting for a signal. Anyhow, here are your war office passes. You well, you seem to have got them all smeared with oil. Oil? That is all right, Monsieur. When we get them back from Captain McAllister, they have oil on them. I think maybe he dropped them on the leaves, because there's oil on the tires of the car, too. Then I think how always in this we meet things that burn. At Madame Tussauds last night, they would not let me smoke a cigarette in case of fire. Fire? That's it, fire. What's the matter with you, old boy? Why did that fella, way out at the end of nowhere, want to know what time it was? Are you scatty? McAllister, you told me so yourself. He goes around the edges of the clearing and smears the trees with stuff to keep them well. Well, what about it? Suppose it was crude oil. Suppose between each tree he laid an invisible fuse of dead leaves soaked in oil. I, uh, I don't understand. In 30 seconds, a complete square of fire runs around the limits of the factory grounds. That draws the bombers in. Then as the flames blaze higher, they've got enough light to dive on their target. There. Our night fighters are letting loose. Bronson, I see it all now. Come on. We've got to get to that tree, Dr. McAllister. It's a matter of minutes. Is Branson following in the car behind us? Yes. He's following and men with rifles. We've got to get to McAllister's cottage. This McAllister... I'll bet you ten to one. The real McAllister is either dead or tied up in that cottage. The fellow we saw was an imposter. Look out, Susie. Keep your head down. Oh, those fighters. They will chew up every younger in the place. They have not got the chance of a snowshoe in heaven. No, Susie, not a snowshoe in heaven. You mean a... I know you are English at a time like this, but I cannot understand. Look out. I don't see why he hasn't set his signal off. What is delaying him? Why don't he strike a match when the bombers come over? Because he's a good Nazi. A good Nazi? My watch was slow, don't you remember? And I gave him the wrong time. He had orders to strike his match at 10 o'clock, and he'll not do it until 10 o'clock if there are 500 planes instead of 20. Bert, I see him. Where? Far up the road. He's running. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Think we can reach him before he gets to the clearing? Not the chance of a snowshoe in heaven. Signal Brunson to pass us. A long shot with a Bert, rifle might... Bert, one of the Yunkers is hit. Huh? He's right over us. That's not all. He's unloading his bombs. The whole stick's coming straight down our direction. Keep your head down. I want to Put your arms over your face. dirt road. The bomb sank too deeply before it exploded. We didn't catch the blast. Come on, Susie. McAllister was just ahead of us. Come on, let's get out. We can't drive any farther. This road is full of bomb craters. Wait a minute, Susie. There's McAllister. He... He is dead. Yes, Susie. Killed by a Nazi bomb. Look, on the ground. What are those two white cards? 
Oh. <laughs> They're all smeared with oil. I must have fallen out of McAllister's pocket just before he got hit. Let's see. <laughs> what do you know? What are the cards, Bert? Two tickets for Madame Tussaud's waxworks. I'm afraid our friend's never going to get to use them. Uh-huh. Not the chance of a snowshoe in heaven. So ends Menace in Wax. Tonight's story of Suspense. Columbia presents these stories of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there'll be another in this series. Same hour, 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Spear, the producer. John Dietz, the director. Bernard Herman, the composer-conductor. John Dixon Carr, the author. Our collaborators on... Suspense. Here is a message of vital importance to every person who drives an automobile in America. There is wide misunderstanding about gasoline and rubber, and the government wants the following facts brought to everyone's attention. Actually, there is no scarcity of gasoline except in some parts of the East. But nowhere in the country is there enough rubber for military and civilian use. Starting two weeks from today, December 1st, mileage rationing goes into effect. This means that no car owner anywhere in the United States will be able to buy gasoline without a mileage rationing book. The purpose is to conserve the rubber we have by eliminating all unnecessary driving. When we think of the tremendous distances our mechanized army is traveling in North Africa and the long road to victory that still lies ahead, this extra effort on our part is slight indeed. Remember, everybody is going to have mileage rationing, so why not be prepared? The best way each of us can save rubber is by sharing our car with others. Let one car do the work for two or three. So why not arrange with the neighbors tonight and start sharing the car tomorrow? It's the one real important contribution that every automobile driver can make. Don't be a lone rider. Share your car and do your share for victory. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.